This is Y-Tune Shuffle. Y-Tune Shuffle, it's the music that informs our lives. The rules here are that there are no rules other than just bring in your music, mm. hit play. And then we get to pick your brain about why those songs. Welcome to Y-Tune Shuffle, a celebration of the music that inspires our lives. With your host, comedian and radio personality, Maggie Mayfield, and Hollywood's secret weapon, David Earl Waterman. This is Y Tunes Shuffle. This is an interview with not just the Damien Marlena, but it's an interview with so many, so other, many other personas that are inside me. Okay, here we go. <laughs> the show is called Y Tunes Shuffle, and here's how it's going to work. We're going to go through all of the songs that you submitted because there are more than your hashtag Fave Five, which I love. <laughs> Unfortunately, my co host David Earl Waterman is MIA today, and I hope he's doing well. But the show must go on. And I've been so excited to like talk to you because you're one of my favorite comedians that I see in the LA circuit. Uh, yeah, I'm one of your favorites. That's really nice of you to say. Thank well, you. Well, it starts so long ago. And I don't even want to say that because I've only been in LA for like three years. But like, I think two and a half years ago or whatever, a mutual friend of ours who works in radio as well invited me to come see you perform at a place called The Dime Bar run by Adam Hunter, and I showed up, and he wasn't there yet to see you perform, and you spotted me right in the crowd. You're like, oh, are you a comedian? And I was like, yeah. I remember, and you were, you were all chuffed that I noticed that I recognized you as a comedian, because you were still like a baby comedian, so like being called yeah. that, you were all, it was so cute. Yeah. I think- but was that- was that the first place that we met, Matt? Because didn't we do, was it, it was after that, that we did that cool show in Long Beach, the one way in the hair salon? Welcome oh, to the world yeah. of Oh, yeah. Wow, because, that was so long ago, because too. Because remember, yeah. I was like, I really like your comedy. Like, I knew that I liked your material. Wow, thank you so much. Yeah. You That's know, all. Thank you. Thank yourself for um. writing it. Because <laughs> we need you. <laughs> well, we need you, too. So, how, are you from L.A.? No, I'm originally from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Then when I was young, I moved to Arizona, to Phoenix, Arizona. Mm-hmm. And that's how I learned to knife fight racism. Um, <laughs> very difficult. But that's why I only have one arm. Uh, but it's okay. And Can we so, talk about that? Because I know off the mic you were saying, like... Can I please just win them over before, uh, <laughs> before we fucking go right into my maimedness? Or else you can, you can, you can be like... Mamie and Merlina is here on iHeartRadio. She's <laughs> maimed, but she's still pretty happy. People seem to love it. No, well, that's up to you. Like, if you don't want to talk about it, we won't talk about it. Well, I mean, I'll give you, like, the, the quick and dirty, which is uh, our mutual friend that we met mm-hmm. is because, so I've done accents since I was a little kid. Yeah. Just, like, organically. Yeah. Like, I did Mae West when I was three years old. Do it. Hi, big boy. Come up and see me sometime. Is that a gun in your pocket or are you just happy to see me? <laughs> it's not the men in your life that matter. It's the life in your man. That's so So I did that good. when I was like three years old. Wow. The other most useless talent I have is that, you know, it's I'm not a mocker. I'm not really a maker funner kind of a person. But when I was in first grade, I sat with two twin deaf girls. And I was like, oh, I bet I can talk just like them. And I can, but I could never use that ever again. Yeah. You know, so I'm just saying it's a skill set I have. <laughs> like you just have an ear for picking up accents and, and dialect. and Yes, that. But also in that particular case, I think that I'm really kind of a, a science brain. Mm-hmm. And I just, I wanted to understand how they perceived sound. Like I just, you know, sound for me is a lot, you know, I mean, music and everything. So I just wanted to understand like how the sound was coming in to them. Yeah. And, and it made sense to me. I, I mean... Yeah, I know. Like, I'm, you're like, I get you. Yeah, I get was you. Was that in Pennsylvania? No, that was in Phoenix. That was when I first started school in Phoenix, Arizona. Um, and so, so our mutual friend, I had just moved back to Phoenix from 
um, England. I moved to myself to England for a year, just like poor, like a poor. I was like an alien. I was an illegal alien in in England, working as an illegal nanny. I think. Um, wow, that's amazing. And then. The Edge, this radio station, yeah, was like, oh, we're having an open call for DJs, you know, and of course I thought it was real. So I went to this big auditorium, like, it was like at ASU maybe, so there were a whole bunch of people and I was like looking around and I was like, nobody here knows I'm not British, so I'm going to be British. <laughs> so like I did the entire interview live on the air, like with the host at the time as a British person and I was like, I'd love to be a radio DJ, I love like having a laugh. I love going to the pub and having a pint or whatever. And I just spoke like this the entire time. That's so great. And then I won the contest. And then I was like, I'm American. Guess what? How are you guys doing? And um, can we say his name? Marty? I guess we'll have to ask him. Marty, can we say your name? <laughs> Marty. Marty, where are you? <laughs> He's in here somewhere. Um, yeah. I mean, ask yeah. him. <laughs> Because the way he tells it too, he's like that you went on and did that for weeks in after you won, and then oh, and I was doing all kinds of yeah. I, like some of the Andy Kaufman stuff. I was just telling you, yeah. This was even when I had two arms, right? I made like this giant box of like weird <laughs> crap, and I delivered yeah. it to the radio station. They're like, "What's wrong with this girl?" And Marty was like, "She's the best," <laughs> and I became his producer. Actually, so. you guys were fast friends. Absolutely. So, um, so I was on the radio for a year and I was so young and I was a punk rocker mm -hmm. and I couldn't believe that I couldn't play the music that I wanted. <laughs> I was like, what do you mean I can't play the cramps? How will they ever know who I am? You know, like, so I didn't understand that. And also the ego in radio was strange to me because I'm such a maker, you know, like I, I, I'm an, I'm a writer, I'm an artist, I'm yes. a every, you know, so I'm like, why do you have an ego? You didn't even make any of this. You're just talking about, <laughs> just talking about stuff that other people made. What's wrong with you? Yeah. Like, I, so I couldn't believe it. So we got bought out by a, a different radio station, and that job ended. And foolishly, like a child, I was like, I'm not pursuing this. Well, I have more talent. So then I just went back to waitressing. <laughs> I was a waitress. And then somebody was like, hey, Damien, there's this contest at the 10 p.m. prop and they're like there's this you know you should go and enter it you should go enter it and I was like meh you know because I'm just funny for a way of life like I've survived my life by being funny you mm -hmm. know I've had a long life and it's not not funny you know um so mm -hmm. I go to the improv and I watch the show and I remember I had like you know I was 15 20 years younger and I had like long hair to hear you know and I like <laughs> ordered two coca-colas for my two item minimum you know and I like watched the show and I was like what is this? And then I went and found the man. Like, I was like, hey, can I, how do I sign up for this contest? And he was like, just come back next week. And I was like, okay. And so then I went next week to do the contest. And it's not that I, you know, came out the gate as a killer. I mean, even though it is. Um, but <laughs> it's just that there was no woman in the comedy scene in Arizona. There was not a woman that had a strong voice. Yeah. So the first time I ever went on stage, I got a standing ovation. Wow. And then that was a quarterly contest. So like the 12th week of the contest, I won the whole contest. Wow. And I got to um, win $1,000 and open for Robert Schimmel, Bob Schimmel, right when he was cured of cancer. And he lived in Scottsdale. So it was like a big deal. It was really yeah. awesome. And ironically, uh, since we're telling on everybody and that guy is dead, not Bob, but the owner of the improv at the time, he really disliked women that were blue. So it took him like a oh, very yeah. long time to match me with someone mm -hmm. to win my contest prize because he was like, oh, she's dirty. We hate her. Oh, okay. And um, 
so then it's it worked out so great anyways that I got to be there for Bob Schimmel, you know? So it was a, there was some point to that and now it's gone. But anyway, I got to open for Bob Schimmel and then the attitude was very strange. Like, you know, I was coming from radio and from being a punk rocker. I had a lot of relationships with a lot of the clubs. Mm-hmm. And so the owner of the improv was like, if you perform anywhere else other than the improv, you're not allowed to perform here. And I was like, well, how are they supposed to develop? Like with a brush and the mirror? I don't understand. Like how yeah. do they work on their material, you know? Yeah. So for me, organically, I just started producing a crap ton of shows like out wow. the gate. So like for three years, I produced like three different shows in Arizona. And I just had like, and it, you know, I wish there were some other, there were like two other funny ladies, but no one really stand out. So it was like me and these eight guys, like all the time. And it was me producing the crap out of shows and well, I didn't produce crap, but yeah. uh, producing these yeah, shows and like that. filling, you know, like doing everything. And so then, um, so I started producing all these shows and then for like five seconds opened and closed. There was a Rascals Comedy Club. They're more popular on the East Coast. Mm-hmm. But there was a Rascals in Arizona and Gabriel Iglesias and Felipe Esparza were touring together and they were doing a Friday, Saturday, Sunday gig and they saw me on a Thursday and they were like, what the f- you're awesome. They're like, get me. And this was like VHS, bro. Like uh-huh. they were like, get me a videotape from my manager, you know? Oh, wow. And I ended up like going to all the shows and then going out to IHOP with Fluffy like mm-hmm. every night after the show. And he's like, well, what's next for you? You know? And I was like, well, we're saving up my money and I'm moving to New York. And he was <laughs> like, well, why? And I was like, well, New York is just more me. You know, like I'm very... I'm a brain, you know, like I don't think that I'm necessarily uh, a conventional beauty, you know, and I'm just like New York is like where it's at for me. And he was like, well, let me tell you this. He's like, if you want to be just a comic, move to New York. But if your comedy is a means to a different end and, you know, the voices and all that, I'd always just wanted to be an actress since I was young. Yeah. He's like, if your comedy is a means to an end, like go to L.A. because everything's happening there. So I'm very much a do-as-I-do person, and, like, here I'm seeing this brilliant, hilarious, funny guy that's obviously successful, and that was his note to me, and I was like, all right, I'm coming to L.A. So Wow. And then I moved here. How how young were you in your comedy career? Mm, three years. Yeah. yeah. I'd been doing it for three years. Wow. That is so inspiring, actually. Well, then, here's <laughs> what's next. I moved. I moved to... Los Angeles, and I did not know the history of comedy. I didn't know, like, the history of the comedy store specifically, right? Mm -hmm. I just knew there were clubs. Like, I knew the improv was a club, but I didn't know about it, you know? Yeah. And so I had this, like, small-town mentality where I was like, oh, we're in the big city now. Like, people are going to be funny, you know? Like, I had an expectation that I would be seeing quality. Because um, over and over, I'm kind of a producer and a comedian that errs on the side of the audience. Like, I want the audience to have a kick-ass time. I think that life is serious. I think that we need levity. I think we need laughter. I don't want myself or my friends to waste 40 bucks coming out to watch six mediocre comics and two good ones. You know, Mm -hmm. like, I think that there's an art to producing and that people need to get on board that, you know. But um, I'm really on the audience's team. And so when I was... Only three years into my comedy career, you can imagine I was bloody insufferable. Okay, like yeah. I had two arms, I was really kicking ass, and um, <laughs> so I go into the comedy store, and I was like, it was open mic night, and I was like, 
appalled. Like, because yeah. it was not good. Uh, and I was like, what is this? And at, right at the time, Dean Gelber was the manager. Mm-hmm. So I went and found him and I was like, what is this shit? I'm funnier than this in my sleep. Put me on this stage. I will save this audience. I'm literally saying I will save this audience, like not knowing that huge famous stars are going to be coming up later. Like uh-huh. I'm like, put me on this stage. And he waits. Um, he makes me wait for like a couple minutes. Give me a little playing hardball. And then he comes over and he's like, you're next. And I was like, huh, okay, bitch. Right? And so <laughs> Is that the comedy store? Yeah. Okay. Um, in 2003. Wow, okay. October of 2003. So then I went on stage and I was just killing it. And while I was on stage, Mitzi Shore came in the room. Oh, wow. And she saw me on stage. She made me a paid regular the first time I was ever on stage. Wow. At the comedy store. Okay. And then, you know. That's how that happened. What yeah. a loving community comedy is. Then they all... And hated me. Yeah. And I was like, oh, was your drummer off time? Because this is a one-guy job. Okay? <laughs> if you want my shitty fucking Richard Pryor background, then you'll be as funny as me. Okay? Yeah. Okay. But, I mean, I, like, let's put in a carrot right here. Um, I just, I'm so nonplussed at the attitude in certain arenas of comedy and comics interacting with one another. Like, in my opinion, there's room for all of us, right? Like, maybe yeah. you're a cruise ship comic. Maybe you're a Vegas comic. Maybe you're a college tour, college circuit comic. You know, maybe you're your grandma's basement. <laughs> maybe you're a corporate comic. But I think that there's room for everybody. Yeah. And at the end of the day, like, even just in this scenario, we're both women and we're both funny and we're both strong. But I could never be you and you could never be me. Yeah. Like, you have a unique, amazing voice, right? And I have a unique, amazing voice. Absolutely. And so I really wasn't ready for that because especially coming from a whole different comedy culture in Arizona where I'm the one that's kind of fostering the circumstance and and the like you know I was like yeah we're we're all comics we're all nice you know like if I hear about this and it might work for you I'll tell you about this blah 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 you know so really like more camaraderie Mm -hmm. and so out the gate to come to the store and to get all the fucking delicious gallons of haterade you know, um, and I was like, and I mean, I'm that way. I have seven brothers. I have a crazy like backstory. You know, I lived in a homeless shelter. My sister was kidnapped and raped. Like it's a lot of stuff. And so I was like, okay, haterade, you know, like, let's do this. This isn't new. I'll just yeah. keep, uh, I'll just keep performing and you just keep being shitty and have a fun time in that bubble of poop. And so, yeah. So then I'm just performing and tra la la. This seems like really long. Cut some of this out. Oh my God, she's droning on and on like an old woman. You're fine. Just kidding. Leave Everything's it in. good. Um, <laughs> just kidding. I love the sound of my own voice, huh? Um, so then I went to visit my mom and my brother in December of 2003. So this is like two months later. Mm-hmm. And then I got in a car accident and my arm got ripped off. And F! Yeah. It was like, oh, you know, it extended me a courtesy that my father never did. It waved. So that was really nice. Oh my god! <laughs> I never tell that joke on stage because it's too dark, but I can tell it to you. That's hilarious. <laughs> you know, right at the time, it extended me a courtesy my father never did. It waved, so that was really nice. Um, <laughs> so then, uh, unsinkable Molly Brown. You know, like I went back on stage thirty days after my accident, and I was like, "Are you guys glad to see me? All my <laughs> manicures are half off now." Um, <laughs> And then actually, this this is incredible. Uh, I shouldn't tell the story, but I'm going to tell it. So whatever, uh, tweet me, tweet me, bitch. Um, so 
is an Italian comic okay. who came up with me at the same time at the comedy store. Really funny guy. Mm-hmm. And I saw him like a couple of months ago at the store and I hadn't seen him in so long. And the story is only really funny if I tell it in his voice. And he goes, he walked up to me, he was like, fucking Damien, I'm never going to forget this story for as long as I live. Uh-huh. He's like, 14 years ago, Chris Rock walked up to you <laughs> and he pointed at your arm and he goes, if you can go on stage and not talk about that, you'll be the greatest comic of all time. And you looked at him and you said, oh, really? You can go on stage and not talk about being black? You'll be the greatest comic of all time. <laughs> I do love that story. To say Chris Rock maybe doesn't like me. But this is the thing, like, and this is the reason I told that story. Not that that guy is not a really talented, intelligent, rad individual. Mm -hmm. But what the undertone is, is he didn't watch my set before he gave me notes. And that is like the patriarchy of comedy. And the reason I love comedy is because it's about a brain. And mine is a big, fat fucking brain. Mm -hmm. You know? And so it's like... Why are you giving me notes, bro? I don't know who you are. It's pretty much like the new, have you seen the new Project Runway? I don't care who those fucking influencers are. They're not (laughs) Tim Gunn, dude. I don't care what you say. Get out of here. Make it work. Sorry, guys, whoever you are. Uh, but you Well, know. I'm so excited to get to know you better and what makes you tick through your music. And you have dished up six songs today, so we're going to power through all of them. I wanted to do ten. She wouldn't let me. I you know. Guys. It, was, it was really hard. I know. And I do have some nuggets on them, so if I find that it's appropriate, then I'll drop some of those on you. Okay. All right, here we go. Damien, this is your song number one. My style can't be duplicated or recycled. This chick is a sick individual. I'm feeling it. I get it. I totally get it. What's happening, Damien? Where does this song take you? Everywhere. (laughs) We run this. Why did you pick this song? Mm. So it has a clip in the beginning that that says, My style can't be duplicated or recycled. This chick is a sick individual. (laughs) They do it better in the song. It's okay. It's all right. I'm not in, the, that. in the car, I'm sure you are. Yeah, oh, yeah. It's, it's so amazing. much better in the car. Can you uh, move this into the car? Because uh, it's really good in the car. It yeah. was so much better. And we run this, like, we run this. You know, like, I mean, I was coming, I was coming from a background of being a producer. And just, you know, I live a life of personal responsibility. Like, it's exactly what I said about is comedy. Is this a one-guy job? You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, did you was your drummer off time? Uh, because... It's a one guy job. Like we run this. Like you're the one that's in control of what's like. Hey, let's play the worst game ever. Tell me how your life is shitty, and I'll tell you how it's your fault. Okay. (laughs) Nobody likes to play that game with me, but it's a real game. It's really so fun. Um, So no, I just I I love Missy Elliott as an entertainer. Like across the board, like she has always maintained herself which mm-hmm. I admire in anyone who makes it big. Yeah. She has maintained herself. She's humble and she's talented and she contributes to the world and she's a badass. And um, yeah, we, she runs this and I run it too. You this know? is your like pump up song. Like- yeah. yeah. I, li- I like to be brought on stage to this um, because of that quote at the beginning, because I like the dichotomy of, my style can't be duplicated or recycled. And then this chick is a sick individual. Like, I don't care what you perceive. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, whatever, bro. Yeah. Do you remember hearing it for the first time? Like, do you remember where you found it? I bought the album when it came out, and I just used to drive around going nuts to the whole entire album. Like, that was just... And I, I'm a very much a 
a repeater repeat. I'm like, oh, put this song repeat. I love this one. Yes. I just listen to music in my car like over and over and over and over. It's my favorite. Did you did you go to college? What are you talking about? That's insane. No, I'm a high school dropout. Really? I'm the full package, baby. I had no idea. Well, it's because uh, I'm pretty much like goodwill hunting. I've read a shit ton of books. I always read books since I was really young. Yeah. And um, I dropped out of high school when I was 15 and started working full time. Yeah. And then when I was 19, I was like, meh, let me just take this GED test. And I tested into honors English uh, and whatever else at a community college. Mm -hmm. And I did that for like five seconds, but I just didn't have the life circumstances that would allow me to kind of explore that. So say lovey. Yeah, absolutely. The guy that's currently winning like a million dollars on Jeopardy right now, mm. he that's what he said. He's like, I just read a bunch of kids' books. He's like, that's how I got all my trivia. Oh, yeah. Because when they simplify it, mm -hmm. I want them to do that for the government. <laughs> Give them all kids' uh. books? <laughs> no, I think that um, the language that is used in voting and everything, I think that it is too uppity. Like, yeah. I think that everything needs simplified and clarified down to the level of a sixth grader. Yeah. And then people understand what they're really voting for mm -hmm. because we have all these loopholes and all this stuff that is nonsense. And it's like um, we need to come back to the place where we are. We the people, you know, like in France, they, they know like government, you work for us, bitch. You mm -hmm. know, we'll riot in the streets. But here it's, you know, it's going in a certain direction that I'm not a fan of, darling. Mm. Um, <laughs> I'm really nonplussed. That's how I want to refer to everything that displeases me. I'm, I'm nonplussed about this. Well, it's you know? interesting you say that because like in, I, I teach at a broadcasting school and that's how they teach. They're like, you have to communicate at a fifth grade level. You have to yeah. write your news like you're talking to a fifth grader. Well, this is what I love about that. And this is, um, I don't take yoga to kiss my own ass like this, but I should. Um, <laughs> one of my, I think like my favorite thing about myself is that I never condescend to other people. So my favorite thing about myself is that I never condescend. And my least favorite thing about like human beings is that when they're imparting knowledge, however small, they always manage to um, condescend in some manner. Like even if it's something trite, like, uh, like, oh, you've never seen that movie before? Yeah. Who gives a fuck, bro? No, yeah. I haven't seen that movie. I'm not Sorry, I can't life, afford you know? HBO Go. You've never heard that song? Uh. You know, but like, so I just, um, and I was, I was with some, I was with like a 50 year old woman and she was like, Damien, how do you say this word? And I was like, fuck yeah, I'm a nice human. You know what yeah. I mean? Because it's just, uh, I think that everything should be simplified so people can understand it. It's not like, are people, you know, getting low test scores, you know, on certain tests that are full of bullshit language, you know, like mm -hmm. if you, I do a lot of like baby kissing and handshaking, you know, I'm in the world talking to people a lot. Yeah. And a lot of people are intelligent, you know, and it's just like the way that it's framed. So, yeah, there's really nowhere to go from there. <laughs> Shall we do more songs? Another song? Yeah, yeah. Song number two. Song number two. Well, that's exactly what the nigga came for. What is this? This is Anderson Pack, and he's the shit. Do you um, know him personally? No, I do not. Oh, okay. No, that does happen sometimes. This, no, but I think um, this, just like comedy, you know, like one of its primary focuses is just plain laughter. Music is just like jamming, you know. And yeah. when I heard this, 
I reacted to it immediately, and I replayed it like a hundred times by myself in the car. A and, recent repeater. Um, super repeater, yeah. And it just like his voice is spectacular. Um, he sounds like a contemporary James Brown to mm-hmm. me. He just he's excellent. He is excellent at what he does. Like the whole the production, the yeah, the music, everything is fucking amazing. So this song. Just when I'm living my best life, yo. Like, yeah. I just, I love this song. I yeah. think it's fantastic. Um, how did you find it? Do you remember? And did someone introduce it to you? Yes. Someone did. <laughs> who, who is this person? He is a man. Oh. <laughs> Hello, and, man. Uh, <laughs> Hello, man. Hello, that's man. That's not a man, baby. <laughs> um, so, uh it was one of those. I was. I think I was four comedy clubs deep. Okay. I was. <laughs> I ended up at the comedy store. Yeah. And I left with someone, not for sex, but I left with somebody from the comedy store for and music. He, clearly, and, for music. <laughs> we were going to record. Uh, <laughs> we were going some to the work on our fringe festival submission, and uh, <laughs> it was really very important stuff. We connected immediately. Um, so yeah, he just drove away and he was fucking jamming it. And I was like, what is this? Yes. So even if that guy is a huge flaming piece of Turkey, uh, you know, I got Anderson Pack out of it. So yeah, it's always worthwhile. Songs for me seem to transform. Like even if I've picked them up from like a dude, let's say like some, sometimes like Foo Fighters for me, especially like kind of transform. Has this done that for you? So far, like, we're like, okay, well, maybe my high school sweetheart introduced me to Foo Fighters. But to me, over the last 20 years, like, that they have transformed to such an important piece of my musical history. Sure. Does that make sense? Has it done that Yeah, it does. Um, This one hasn't been enough time for it to have that kind of transformation. Mm -hmm. And almost immediately, I disassociated that person with this song Mm -hmm. because I was just like, this is a badass song, which is like a standalone thing Um, for Whenever you associate songs and memories, you know, mm-hmm. I was very much part of like a teenage Sid and Nancy. You mm-hmm. know, I had like my same boyfriend for like four years and we went to all the punk shows together, you know, so there's so much music that way. Yeah. But um, I'm a multifaceted woman and I had my real sad bastard side. So no, I've got like, I've got like literal music that I did not include in this. Uh-huh. That's just like, I'm sad. So I'll listen to this over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, then also I think this was hilarious and I should have included it one time that I would say was one of my saddest uh, seasons it was a very long winter um I was trying to make myself feel better with music because I love music so yeah. on repeat I had Katrina and the waves walking on sunshine <laughs> so like no someday I'll probably put that in a movie because yeah. like I would just get in my car and I was like I'm walking on sunshine <laughs> It was like that. I think we all have those songs. Okay, I want to drop the nugget because I thought maybe you knew this guy because he's local here to Los yeah, Angeles. I have friends that know him, but I do not personally know him. Oh my him. God, I feel like we should remedy but that I'll for get you. Him. We'll get him. We'll yeah. tweet at him. Um, yeah. So before his first album came out in 2012, this is how new he is, the year before, he was working at a marijuana farm in Santa Barbara, California, mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. And then he got let go. So he and his wife and his infant son were left homeless, had nowhere to go. The next year. Okay. I love you even more now. The next year, he was the drummer for Haley Reinhart, who was on American Idol. Mm -hmm. And then four years after that is when he released his second studio album, which won him a Grammy. 
Isn't F, that yes. isn't that crazy? It's phenomenal, but I also I would love I wish that I had known that going into it. It makes it so much sweeter. Mm-hmm. But like I want to tell people as a person who came to the pinnacle of like getting made a paid regular at the comedy store and was like the next Roseanne and then getting my arm ripped off. Like life can change on a dime. Yeah. You know, like everybody just like work hella hard and you can achieve anything. Like I've um, work hard and be kind. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. It's, my hashtag is hashtag nice to be nice. You know, like yeah. it really, um, it, that's my jam. I'm like, I'm like, what are my politics? At fucking first grade, bitch. All right. Like, is there, <laughs> is there enough candy for everybody? Fuck you, Bobby. Nobody gets any candy. Okay. Like, is there like, you like purple? I like green. Let's be friends. You know, like yeah. I just, I think people should just be much more cool with each other, but that's a rad, that's a rad story. I love that. Do you know the one other thing that comes to mind is, it's quite famous is um, all the Harry Potter stories Mm -hmm. do you know all about that like she was most of them but yeah no not the books i mean but the author oh yeah oh yeah she was on like the british equivalent of welfare Mm -hmm. like she was on the dole Mm -hmm. and then is that what it's called yeah oh my god that's kind of sweet when you're on the dole yeah oh mate he's he's on the dole right he's having a really tough time it's okay oh he's on the dole yeah got to be there it's okay don't be sad maggie (laughs) with your little irish hair what is that Scottish hair that you have that red hair? Do you think that Maggie should be brave? Like she should be that as a like a costume for like Halloween or something? Thank you. All right, like, we're gonna beautiful. stop you there. Like, keep going then. <laughs> right, what's next? That's okay. I don't need an audience to sit here and talk to myself. <laughs> you just like the sound of your voice on the same way. All That's right, here's great. your song number three. Don't stop me All right, why this song? This song has a lot of meaning to me. Um, One, uh, don't stop me now. You know, I've been presented with a lot of challenges in my life in which I've been required to get the fuck up, Mm -hmm. you know? And it's like, don't stop me now, man. You know, I didn't come this far to come this far. Mm -hmm. And so it really speaks to that to me. Like, this is my, like, bitch, get up. Like... (laughs) I don't know if you've seen The Long Kiss Goodnight with Gina Davis, but it's one of my favorite, like, female-driven action films. Mm-hmm. And there's this part where she's, like, where she's, you know, she's having a mental breakdown, whatever, and she's telling her daughter, she was like, life is pain! Get up! You know? <laughs> and it's like, and I'm like, so that might not be a nice internal voice, but I'm like, get up, bitch! Like, we got some shit to do! And um, and then also it says, like, Lady Godiva. And um, I have, I had six brothers before I was born. So I'm like the only daughter my father Are you, ever You're had. the baby of the family? No, I'm the alpha sibling of oh. the family. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, th- I had a brief flirtation with babydom for like three years, but then no longer. Um, but so I had six brothers and I was born and we lived in Pennsylvania and we had like a big like lots of land, you know, and I would just take my clothes off no matter what. Like I was just like, I what, what do you want me to wear this shit for? I have a perfectly good suit under here. Uh-huh. And um, <laughs> so my family nicknamed me Lady Godiva. So oh, I was, I was, Lady Godiva was my nickname when I was a child. That's so cute. And so then there's one more younger brother. There's another younger brother and another younger sister. Okay. Do you get along with any of your siblings? Yeah. Do you, you get along I'm, with any of your siblings? Yeah. My, I only have one <laughs> sister and she's my favorite person in the whole wide world. Yeah, um, my little sister, she's 14 years younger than mm-hmm. me, um, so she's a baby. She's five, because um, I'm 20. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, we get along famously, and um, all my brothers, you know, they're quirky and interesting. Yeah. They're 
they're they're great. They're really keeping me in the comedy business uh, because <laughs> those mother truckers, dude. <laughs> I don't know if you ladies have had the opportunity to be related to seven penises, um, but <laughs> creates a lot of variables in your world when you, you know? grow up together. It really too. does. Uh, Why did you have so much land? Were you farming? <laughs> I this sounds <laughs> that's a weird question. <laughs> I say that. Damien, like, how did you become poor? No. no. My my dad, oh, like it was his dream to own a Christmas tree farm. So like mm. we would shot, like we grew up in New Jersey and he would like look at, he'd be like, let's go, let's go to Pennsylvania. Let's go look at land. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what he wanted to do was like raise Christmas trees. Well, there was, <laughs> so it was weird. very. I'm just projecting like what I thought I, your childhood was like based on mine. That's, that's all I'm doing. Uh, well, I think yours was a little more picturesque, a little more picturesque. Well, you, we Come haven't hit the radio. teen years. Yeah. Picturesque, picturesque, picturesque. Can you say that word? Yes. Um, th- it was a very brief golden era. It mm. was a very, my, my, the reason I have seven brothers or whatever the reason is, but my father had four sons already when he met my mom. Oh, I see. So I have four brothers that are considerably older than me. Okay. And so when my parents got together, I had two more older brothers that are my full brothers, Whatever, they're all my brothers. Yeah. Um, and for a brief golden era, <laughs> my parents flipped houses together. Oh, cool. So, like, way back in the day. You yeah. Know, like, and they would, uh, my dad is can do anything, you know, in terms of building and mechanics and stuff. Um, so, so they flipped houses, and we just had, like, this really big house in Pennsylvania, and it had, like, uh, like several acres. Mm-hmm. Did you have your own room for a while? Um, you know... We had a playroom, and it's not that I, I'm sure I, when you're a kid, like, you like to not have your own room. You like to share with mm-hmm. your friends, sister, brother, mm-hmm. whatever, you know. So, yeah, we had a playroom, and, like, yeah, uh, cut this fucking out. What is <laughs> No, this is my favorite part. I love this show. It's not, um, no. <laughs> no. She's like, don't talk about the playroom. I had, I loved my playroom, and it had, like, really cold linoleum tile, and I used to strip my clothes off and just lay on the fucking cold of linoleum. I was like, oh, it's so nice. Also, my parents were, you know, 70s people that had water beds forever. Wow. Water bed, water yeah. bed, water. So I'd like strip the sheets off the water bed and be like, oh, it's so cold and like lay yeah. on it. Yeah. And then the grossest, most incredible thing that ever happened is when I was like 10 or 11, we moved from the heat of Phoenix, Arizona to South Lake Tahoe. And my poor cat, I believe maybe he had a heart condition or something, but I loved him so much. And uh, he like, like he like died in a snowbank, like trying to get out of a snowbank. Oh, poor kitty. So I brought him inside and I cranked up the heat on the waterbed and I tried to thaw him out to like bring him back to life, you know, but it didn't really work. So, oh, he was dead. Um, (laughs) Uh, More happy stories. Sorry, Pluff. (laughs) So that's that's Queen. So that's Queen. So that's Don't Stop Me and Now. And I queened it all up for that one, yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Oh, and with plus, like, fuck yeah, Freddie Mercury, everything. Yeah. Freddie what Mercury. What did you think of the movie, Bohemian Rhapsody? Um, I think that everyone is going to be appalled that I didn't see it. Oh. Sorry. <laughs> I still really want to see it. I just, um, I was in a real uh, thorough bout of poorness mm-hmm. at the time. Yeah. Um, Movies but, are ridiculously expensive. But I just think that, um, no, I mean- Freddie Mercury was always unapologetic and he was always like clear in his vision as an artist. And I think that being the first one, you know, being a person who has a singular vision 
And like other people aren't going to get in, on board because it's never been done before, mm-hmm. you know? And I mean, uh, you have to make peace with that. Like other people are not, they don't understand. They haven't seen it before. They don't know what it looks like, you know? Yep. Like I was at a bar for comedy a couple of weeks ago and this guy was like, so who's the one-armed person that you look up to? And I was like, get the fuck out of here. Who's the weird douchebag you look up to? I don't know. That's a weird question. Isn't it strange? Yeah. Good Lord. You yeah. must hear it all. All right, here we go. Song number four. Oh. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. A little Tina Turner for you? Who needs a heart when a heart can be broken? Oh. We need iHeartRadio. That was a shameless plug. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, why this song? So my mom is a huge Tina Turner fan. Really? So I just grew up like, it. I associate it with her, you know? Mm-hmm. And then the fact that. Tina Turner, again, herself is a powerful, badass woman. Mm-hmm. And then, so I do this funny game where in any song that the word love is, you can replace it with the word nub. Mm. And my arm uh, is affectionately referred to as the nub. <laughs> and so once I had this great show, it was Red Grant's show uh, in the main room at the comedy store. And I came on stage and I was like, I'm going to sing for you guys. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to sing Tina Turner. And I was like... What's nub got to do with it? What's nub but a secondhand emotion? That's so funny. So pretty funny. But yeah. So this reminds you of your mom. What's your mom's name? My mom's name is Allie. And what did what does Allie do, or what did she do what? when you're growing up? Every job known to man, she's done a mil- Like I remember being a child and going like, Mom, why can't you have a career? Why can't you have one job? God damn it! Like, <laughs> really? One hundred percent. Um and like now me, like even just yesterday somebody was like, Man, sounds like you had a lot of jobs. Oh fuck yeah. Like I've had a million I'm like, Oh, that would be when I was working at iMaster. Hold are those glasses polycarbonate lenses, you know? <laughs> oh, I used to be a DJ on the radio. Oh, I used to work at Cost Plus World Market. Well, I used to work at Burger King. Hi, welcome to Burger King. Would you like to try a combo value meal today? Okay, over to Whopper's cheese large front. Like I yeah. done so many jobs. It's like very silly. Um so my mom is She's read like 5,000 books. She's a very interesting, smart person. And um, she hates it when I call her new agey, but, you know, I don't know. We'll have to think up some other blanket term for that business. Uh, but, no, I'm a very, like, open-minded person. Yeah. I'll hear everything and, like, whatever makes sense to me, I'll put it in the filing cabinet, you know? Yep. <laughs> whatever, but... Put the tool belt. You yeah. Know. Are you and... I can only imagine... With a house full of boys, and then you came along, your relationship was probably very special for her. Well, I'm going to have to be a generalist here and say that I think a mother's relationship is special with all of her children, Maggie. I don't know what kind of (laughs) shitty favoritism you experienced, but a mother loves each of her children, okay? Uh, And, yeah, I don't... I mean, you guys didn't like... She wasn't like, okay, Damien, we're going to go... I don't know, we're going to go shopping today or whatever. Like, you know, like take you on special trips without the brothers. You Part know what I mean? Part of the recipe for making a good stand-up comedy is that you... Stand-up comedy? <laughs> That's a thing now. Comedy. Part of the recipe for being um, a good stand-up comedy, I think, is being a little bit of an outlier. You know, like mm-hmm. being sort of separated or alien in circumstances. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, I've got the like being the only girl thing going for me, but also... um 
I am the only fat person in my family. My whole family is skinny. And really? so it comes from the OG times when everybody was kind of mad that you're fat. You know my joke I have about, yeah. why is everybody mad that Which you're I fat? Which I love so much. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Just in a bigger font size. I don't understand. Unless you're sitting next to me on a plane, you shouldn't be mad. I don't know why you're mad. <laughs> I am impact bold. 24 and you're Helvetica 12. It's not, I don't care, you know? Like, um, <laughs> so I just think part of the recipe is that, you know, I, my mom just didn't know how to have a fat kid. Like, so yeah. it was like always this thing. And I don't like, she should have known me and like my disposition because, yo, the more you're mad that I'm fat, the fatter I'm going to fucking get, bro. Like, this is like, oh, I'm fat? Cool, I'm going to hike Runyon tomorrow in a fucking bikini. You know what I mean? Like, the punk rock in me. The punk rock in this one is strong. Um, <laughs> so it, that was probably a, a challenge, you know, like, but in, in our growth together as, a, as people, as, as a parent-child relationship. But um, we've obviously overcome that. And I'm still fat, which means I won. Uh, but no, I just think like we, we've gotten over that. We have a good relationship. That's awesome. Yeah. Good. She's cool. We talk like every day, every other day. Do you really? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I'm so envious of you. You don't have a good relationship with your mom? No. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. But it also makes you a good comic. So thank you. You know, there you go. <laughs> it's also, I, I, let me just be Susie fucking nice pants right now. It's not that I had like this reckoning of tremendous, fantastic, forgiveness and whatever with my mother but it's that let's just say everything is science i default to science and if you're doing like a scientific research study yeah if there's a certain behavior that carries on over a certain number of years you go i guess this is just like that yeah and so you can either adapt to it or not you know Mm -hmm. so like um and i just think parents getting older you know they are who they are. And so yeah. you can either change yourself and adapt to them and try to foster a kind relationship because at the end of the day, it's your parent. And we have kind of a weird, in America, we have like a really weird, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, lens. We have a re- weird perspective on family units. Like I'm of the opinion that the world would run so much better if we behaved more as though we were in a village. And here it's like, oh, you live with your mom, you know, like, and it's like, who the fuck is ever going to care about you more than your mom? I mean, unless she's kind of a dick, which really does happen. But um, it's like, so I absolutely acknowledge that. But like, um, I think it's nice to be close with the people that you grew up with and that like are related to you. I think that that's lovely. Yeah. I think it's awesome. And I mean, I, I try to have that as much as possible, you know, like. Who can who can say what the world will bring? You can't control other people, but you control yourself. Yeah, you know. Thought about what it would be like to be a mom yourself. What kind of a podcast is this? I Just don't want curious. that question. Okay, we can have that off the air. <laughs> um, I mean, for your personal advocation, like, you know, I um, I just remember being thirteen, and it was so clear to me. That either you got to have a career or you got to have a family, and you couldn't do I both. See. Um. I think that we're in a, like, I think you can do both. I think it can be done. Of course. It's a weird, delicate, like, Pink is a fucking badass mom. She's so Uh, cool. Kelly Clarkson, like we've talked about. Yes. And Janet Jackson just had her first baby at 50. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's, I mean, there's a lot of, of great moms. I don't know. I just don't, like, when I was a child, I was certain already by, like, age 11 that I was already writing social reforms when I was 11 years old. Like yeah. I didn't know real politics. So mm-hmm. when I was a child, I was like, 
I'm going to grow up and be like Ronald Reagan. I'm going to be an actress first, and then I'm going to be the president. And I'm like, that was legit my shit. Like, I was... Yeah. And so I already had a plan to, like, give birth to three children and adopt four older ones that people weren't loving properly. Yeah. So I was always... Um, you're going to save the world is what you're yeah, going to do, that's Damien. All, uh, yeah, that's, that's my jam. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm hoping. There are some female comics that I've met that are moms and some that are, you know, so happy that they decided, no, children aren't for me. You know, so mm. I guess I was just wondering, like, oh, I was love there... the crap out of kids. I've Same. been a nanny a million billion times. I'm an aunt a lot of more times than I will say. Um, I used to be a nanny for like a kind of famous person for mm. three years. And um, no, I love kids like I just they make sense to me. I speak their language. And yeah. it's like going back to us talking about simplifying things and like whatever. It's very easy to communicate with them. And yeah. Um, there was like this amazing time I was at Disneyland and I was talking to a little girl. She was probably like six or seven. I was talking to her for like five minutes and she looked at me and she goes, when I grew up, I didn't want to have an arm. And I was like, no, no, you do. (laughs) You do. Tying your shoes is fucking awesome. Okay. And then there was, um, this other four year old little boy. This was so crazy. He was hilarious. He was like little boy me, but he, so I meet him at a yard sale and and he was like, I'm seven. It's my birthday. And I was like, yeah, right. I was like, there's no way this kid is seven. Like, I know, I mean, from all my experiences in nanny, like, there's no way you're seven. Yeah. A few minutes later, his mom got there and she goes, I'm sorry. He's four. He's lying. The little kid maintains eye contact with me and he points upwards at his mother and he goes, I'm seven. She's lying. And I was like, <laughs> who is this little dick? How can I be his best friend? So then a few minutes later, he's now like waiting for his mom in the minivan, mm-hmm. but they're just they're just corralled in there because mm-hmm. they're not going to drive yet. So he's just in there and he's standing up. So he's like now the same height as me. Mm-hmm. So he comes out the window and he grabs my nub and he's like just fearless in his um, exploration of it. You know, he's yeah. like looking at it like in every yeah. way. And he looks at it and he goes, have you tried to get it out yet? He looks at me so, so seriously and he goes, I can get it out for you. And then he put his little four-year-old hand on my shoulder and he goes, I'm going to need you to push. And he was like deadly serious. And I was like, this guy knows I'm a fucking transformer. I don't know what you guys don't know. That's amazing. Yeah. So are... no, I love kids. They're amazing. Yeah. Cool. Thank you for sharing that. Okay, song number five. This is a public service announcement. There's the punk rock. <laughs> there it is. We found it. We foundation it. Yes. The, the Clash, yeah? Yeah. Where did you find this? Uh, Where does this take you? Well, first of all, this specific album is the first album I ever bought when I was 15 in a thrift store for 47 cents. That's amazing. Wow. I mean, technically, my first album was when I was 11 and it was Heart Alone. What a savage 11-year-old. So sad. <laughs> um, but, but the first one that I bought myself with my own money yeah. was this uh, for 47 cents in the thrift store. And they speak to The Clash is fucking epic. Like, they speak to me in every way. Yeah. And, you know, punk rock and rap are not unrelated. Like, there's... Google it, bitches. Um, but, <laughs> like, know your rights. This is... This is so important. We're just, we're, I mean, it's always been important. It was important fucking 25 years ago. It's important now. And it's like, you have the right not to be killed. And people are being fucking killed, man. We need, 
FTP, we need film the police. We need a separate independent agency that films the police and monitors their fucking behavior. Like, I've been, you know, I was out driving and I was like, oh, sure, the cops can find you because when they're fucking hiding, if I hide somewhere, I'll find you doing bad shit too, you know? (laughs) (laughs) I'm hiding in the corner, just hiding, waiting for the cops. But I mean, there's a lot of great police officers. They're really, I've performed at a lot of cop conventions, you know, and- and there are a lot of not great ones. You know, it's just like people or whatever. Mm-hmm. But like the teachers and priests and I, yeah. Boy Scout fucking leaders. Yeah. Like, hey, maybe don't leave your kids with anyone. This is my public service announcement. <laughs> right. Never leave your fucking kids. Never. The end. Okay, bye. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, you're right. I think that we, you know, recently on CNN, they were replaying the Watergate scandal. And, you know, here's Nixon. Here's a, I'm not going to leave this office. Right. You know? They're like, fuck you, bitch. You work for us, you know? And I think that we have come to a very lax time where we're over-concerned with capitalism as opposed to knowing our rights and knowing, like, what is available to us and that the government works for us. And so we just need that shift. And this song has not lost any of its power at all. Like, it's still very relevant. Yeah. Good choice. it's fucking badass and fun. That it is. Yeah. They, um, here's a little nugget for you, which I thought was so amazing. Their first gig ever, they actually opened for the Sex Pistols. Mm. Their first album, not even released in America, but it sold over 100,000 copies here, which made it the largest selling import album of its time. Thank you, Clash. We love you. Mm-hmm. Amen. Thank you for so sharing. All right. So since David Earl Waterman is not here, he usually plays a game called Band Name or Bar Name, which we'll skip this time. In lieu of that, we're going to go to song number six that you picked. Because I wanted to pick 10 songs, you guys. Like, I I just, I didn't get to put in any opera. I didn't get to put in any other rap. I mean, it's it's really hard, you guys. I'm excited for this one. So good. Here we go. Girl, what? Girl, what? Tell me everything. I will tell you everything. Um, Madonna. Mm-hmm. Like, I, this was a last minute inclusion, and Madonna, like two days ago, released a brand new video. Mm-hmm. And so they were doing this, like, epic MTV. Oh my God, MTV, you were playing all videos. It was so fucking glorious. Why is it so hard to just start a new channel that just plays all videos all day long? Do you remember? This is another public service announcement. Please make a channel of music videos. We love it. Okay, bye. It's called YouTube, but go um, ahead. How dare you? Um, <laughs> how dare you? There's another one of her nuggets. God damn it. Um, so, so they were playing this, uh, you know, epic, like, Madonna-thon and it just reminds you know like now Madonna is aging or whatever and people want to talk some shit about her little talent hands or whatever or different aspects of her but like it really brought me to this place of so first of all this song like a prayer like the level of upset that it was to have like a black man and the church and the scandal and the blood you know like and Madonna is a woman who really uh, not unlike Mae West, that was like, no, you're not the boss of me, bro. Like, mm-hmm. I'm just as smart as you are, if not smarter and more shrewd. And 
Like, I just love her fearlessness of, and her unapologeticness of just taking on the world. And I love, you know, I have, um, I find there to be a lot of contradictions in church. And, you know, I grew up with, with some church and like I was kind of able to experiment on my own, et cetera, et cetera. But I have um, a joke in my act that's a really real thing that happened to me. And it's like my friend's mom is an evangelical Christian and also a lawyer. And I talked to her about some lawyery stuff. And then at the end of the lawyery stuff, she was like, Damien, can I pray for you? And I was like, yeah, I can't wait. And she was like, dear Lord, we know you don't care what Damien looks like on the outside. And I was like, wait. Did you just call me ugly while you were praying for me? I don't understand. Oh my god! I, but I was like, I was like, uh, I know a little something about some. I heard that God was an omnipotent God, and that God knows everything that's going to happen before it ever even happens. Therefore, this ripped off arm is God's nub, and you're a terrible Christian lady. Wow. You know what? I'm, and then, of course, because I want a Madonna one up, I say, "You guys want to know what really happened to me? I was crucified. I'm bottom heavy. I broke off and I ran. So I'm God's <laughs> right hand man." Um. <laughs> But so all of that, I love that she obviously, not unlike myself, like had her own relationship with what a Christ or what a spiritual leader was like and what it means to love one another. And um, of course, the obvious over and undertones of persons of color in the video, Sure, you know, like yeah. I, I just, I, I have a massive respect for it. And I, I, you know, Madonna fucking go on, bitch. We love you. Yeah. Absolutely. Hmm. I The song still surprises me, just the things that I learn about the video and the process of making it and, you know, the upsets that, I mean, obviously Pepsi is one of the, the more famous uh-huh. upsets of the commercial where they ripped it. Like, who buys a commercial, you know, a video before mm-hmm. even seeing it? Like, yeah. it's kind of dumb on their part. Yep, absolutely. But like the choir that you see in the video, which I found so fa- I just learned this yesterday. I'm so excited. The choir that you see in the video is not the choir that's singing. The choir that's singing was actually in a Michael Jackson video, Man in the Mirror, the year before. Same choir. Uh-huh. Right? But when it's called the Andre Crouch Gospel Choir, and he was so excited. He was like, I love I love everything that the song's about. It's empowering, uplifting, or whatever. And then when they got word of what Madonna was doing, he's like, Mm-mm, we don't want to be in that video. They didn't want to be a part of they it, didn't right? Want to be in it. But so the choir that they do have isn't singing. They're just They're lip just singing. They're there as a yeah. visual, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, so, and that's, again, like, um, steeped in scandal. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you're that goes back to being a visionary and like mm-hmm. no one's going to get on board until like you prove it. And then they're like, Oh, you're, Oh wow. <laughs> you know? And so fuck yeah, Madonna, like yeah. do it, go like realize your vision. That's incredible. Is that you? Um, hopefully uh, like in, in all honesty, like we'll see where I get to go. But like, um, cause comedy is not your only art. Comedy is not my only art. I, uh, definitely have a, a multi, a multitude of arts. I, I still think that there's probably going to be some directing and some more acting. And I mean, when I was talking about being having every job, like I'm on Netflix right now on a RuPaul art painting show. That's amazing. Congrats. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah, it came out at the beginning of the year. So mm-hmm. you're really late to the party. I'm so sorry. Oh, Maggie was busy researching songs and not her guest. So what else? It's <laughs> cool. Um, <laughs> well, I get to know you here. So, well, like for instance, um, knock yourselves out kids but i i'm in a film that came out i think last year on amazon mm-hmm. and it's called casual encounters mm-hmm. and it's kind of it's with taryn killam and david arquette and it's like uh, you know a rom-com about casual encounters se- section of craigslist 
and I'm that guy. Like, I send him, like, a skinny girl photo, and I get there, and I'm fat, and I have one arm. Yeah. And then we still have sex. Wow. And so when I went into the producers, I had nothing to lose, you know, and I read right. for the part, and I was just like, um, I was like, who, who wrote this? Because it's what someone thinks fat people say and not what they really say, and yeah. I'm for sure not saying it. And so I just went in their guns blazing because I had nothing to lose. For sure. And, um... And then they were like, well, there's going to be a sex scene, you know, in your boobs. And I was like, oh, these boobs? <laughs> and I was like, and I just believe in inclusion and representation. Mm -hmm. And I feel like, uh, fuck yeah. I don't, I mean, here's my third public service announcement. Everyone fucks. Okay. Like that's the jam, bro. Yeah. Everybody, hopefully consensually, but I mean, everyone is a multifaceted creature with love interests and yada, yada, yada. Yeah. And there are so few, like- one half of 1% of disabled people um, illustrated in films are disabled. So that means 99.9.5 .9 people are just pretending that they're disabled. Oh. So uh, when there's actually a whole bevy of disabled actors that could be doing the parts, they're like, this guy is much better emotion in his wheelchair than you do in your real wheelchair, you know? <laughs> so um, it was... I, I balked at, you know, showing my tits in a film and so early in my career, but I was like, fuck this. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. it was like, uh, it was more important for me to do that than it was to not do it. Yeah. You know, I'd rather fall on the knife. Just kidding. It wasn't, you know, <laughs> it wasn't like that. The sex is fake. Okay. <laughs> there was no knife falling at all. None. I'm sorry. <laughs> Nothing is implied. Okay. Please. Bye. All right, Damien. So you've shared your six songs, which are all incredible. Thinking very hard, I would love to know the story of your very first concert. Uh, it's really there's. I've got double concert sitch here. My very first concert was Billy Idol. Really? It was Billy Idol at the State Fair. Wow, that's amazing! And I was like, "Fuck yes!" I was, you know, who would you go with? Myself. You were by uh, yourself, sure. and you saw Billy Idol. Probably your parents, yeah. your brothers. Nobody else was there. Your best friend. Probably not. What? <laughs> no. Who goes to the state fair by themselves? I do whatever the fuck I want by myself. I can't afford to wait for other people. I get you know? that. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. So Billy Idol was my first concert. That is so cool. Um, but my greatest concert of all time mm -hmm. is when I moved to England. Mm -hmm. I got to see Nina Simone and oh. Nick Cave together in wow. concert in like the fourth row. Wow. And that was the unparalleled, you know, ever, ever, ever. Yeah. I'm I'm dying to see Tom Waits. I've never seen him, and that's really high on my list. What was your first concert that you ever went to? <laughs> it was a No Effects show in San Diego. No Effects. Mm -hmm. Look at the little baby punk rocker mm -hmm. down there. A little purple hair. Oh, that's cute. But her hair is too beautiful and naturally red for it to be purple. It's one of those like where mm -hmm. they start a riot. People got mad at me. Yeah. They're like, no, look at yeah. that hair. It's beautiful. Mm -hmm. Um, what, what what's your favorite concert? Uh, it's a toss up between Pink. And her, uh, she, it's we a, love pink. I yeah, love her. So good. Or I saw the Foo Fighters at Coachella, or not Coachella, at Lollapalooza in Chicago. Mm. And it was pouring rain. Uh, and it was amazing. That is incredible. So good. Um, last concert you went to? Last show. What's the last show I went to? Cheese and rice. I don't, uh, <laughs> I, like I saw some tiny band at the Echoplex. Um, 
That counts. Yeah. When, you remember when the Rolling Stones played the Echoplex? No. Like, it was like the night before their show. And then they played like this tiny, and like we went there and like stood outside, just please God let us in, you know. But <laughs> we didn't get in. But I'm, I'm saying because the Rolling Stones are playing on May 11th, which is my birthday, and you work in radio, so I don't know what that <laughs> means for you, but it means something to me. Um, <laughs> it's my birthday. <laughs> I want to go to the Rolling Stones. I'm amazed that I didn't include a Rolling Stones song because they're one of my favorite bands of all time. Mm-hmm. But I just the Rolling yeah. Stones crack me up because. That was my grandpa's first concert ever, but he didn't oh. go until he was 60. Wow. His first concert wasn't until he was 60 years old. What the? Mm-hmm. 60 years old before he saw a concert? Yeah. And his wife is much younger. He's like, she's like my dad's age. And she uh. she took him because she wanted to go. And yeah, so yeah. he brought like the earplugs and they had like a great time. Oh, it was my. so cute. Is my your... dad was much older too when he went to his first concert. And my sister brought him to go see Tool of all things. That's very and peculiar. They, I know. And peculiar. Peculiar. <laughs> and they wound up going and my sister is into the pit, you know, like she loves like just dancing yeah, yeah, or whatever. Mosh. So my dad was like, yeah, let's do that whenever. No, um, your dad was in the mosh pit yeah, on his yeah. first concert. It was so uh, the story is cute the way they tell it. And she, my sister's like, yeah. And my dad smelled pot and like wound up getting some, you know, hits off of these other teenagers <laughs> that were there. And so they wound up like smoking out in the mosh pit of Incredible. a Tool concert. I was like, Wow, and my dad, I think, was in his late 40s at the time. So did you not grow up with, like, a lot of music? No, there was a ton of music. Okay, because we grew up with, I mean, my, when yeah. my parents liked to dance, and there was oh, a lot of same. fucking Al Green going on, yep. you know? Yeah. Very Bee Gees all day, every day. We would play a game at dinner, the radio would be on, and my parents would be like, who's this? Who's this? Who's oh, this? Cool, so, cool. like, the radio was so important in yeah. our family. But And now, here you are. They just never did Darling concerts. of the radio. Thank you. Little queen, <laughs> give us a little wave, would you? Okay, yes, lovely. it's perfect for radio because everyone Beautiful. can see what I'm doing. Um, before I let you go, Dan, this has been so much fun, by the way. This is the time for you to shamelessly promote how do we find you? How do we argue music with you? Where are you online? What's your corner of the internet? Well, Instagram is my faveski. Um, so my primary account is at what's in a dame, it's like what's in a name with a D, what's in a dame, and that's just like a umbrella of all of my stuff it's most comedy um i have a very funny hashtag and it is called hashtag nub punch n-u-b-p-u-n-c-h <laughs> and i don't know if you know about this but mm-hmm. um so when steve martin was first a comedian he used to play banjo and he wore an arrow yes. through his head yes so since i have a half a missing arm and a separate full hand yeah every time i meet famous people i'm like hey can i punch through your head and then they mostly always say yes, and <laughs> except for one or two times, I won't name the names. Um, but so the crown of my collection, obviously, is Steve Martin. So I'm punching through Steve Martin's head. I'm punching through Will Ferrell's head. I'm, no, I'm punching through his body. I'm punching through Jim Carrey's head. Oh, that's cool. D. Antwood. Um, yeah. Tom Morello. I just got to meet Tom Morello. I was with Marty and punched through his head. That's so cool. So hashtag nub punch is, is pretty funny. That's um, great. There's like a hundred or something. It's like a coffee table book at this point. Um, and then my art accounts, um, I have contour drawing. It's called, um, at one line dame, you know, like I'm a one liner. Uh, and it's just because I, you draw it all in one continuous line. You never lift up the pen. Oh, when neat. You do it. Okay. Awesome. Amy Marlena, thank you for your time and your generosity and your energy today. Thank you. I really appreciate you being here. Thank you so much for listening. If you haven't already, please like, subscribe, and share at YTunes Shuffle. I've been Maggie Mayfield. Thank you for listening. Maggie Mayfield is awesome. Thanks.
Thanks for listening. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Y-Tunes Shuffle.